Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we get started, are you thinking of creating a podcast or are you a podcast host already? As a podcast strategist, I can help you to launch or relaunch a purposeful and profitable podcast, which will inspire, entertain and educate a global audience. Simply book in a one-to-one call with me right now via the Calendly link in the show notes and together we'll focus on the purpose of your podcast. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by Henry Guyburn. Henry, how are you doing? Yes, I'm well. Thank you for having me on. Really looking forward to this, Amy. Well, we've been working together for quite a few months, helping you to get your podcast out into the world. Why don't you start about telling us what that's all about? Okay. Uh, yeah, it's been amazing. And um, thank you for helping me with it. It's been amazing. Your support has been fantastic. So I now have a podcast called Fell Forward. And Fell Forward is essentially talking about my business journey with growing a business from naught to 47 people and then losing it all, including my family home, and then deciding to start again and um, growing that business and going on a journey of what failure means and how to deal with it and how failure is how we learn and it's experience and that failure is only a negative if we don't learn from it or do not learn from it and we give up and my mission is to help people understand that they don't have to fear failure and that their dreams and goals are always achievable and learning and experience and failure is part of that and that's really what the podcast is about it's about me sharing some of my content but also interviewing other people who have been through not just business failure but adversity difficult times come through struggles to be able to then create success and just looking into the their traits and trying to share that with the world so people can see what they need to do to be able to overcome those difficult times to be able to create the lives that they want Fantastic. And it's absolutely awesome seeing you take this from a concept through to actually getting it out there as a reality and then seeing these phenomenal messages that that have been posted about what it's now allowing other people to do. So well done. Thank you. Well, I couldn't have literally, and I mean it, done it without you because we were in a breakout room and I said, I'm going to do this in a couple of years. And you're like, no, no, you're going to do this now. Like, this is the best time. And you're right. And it's all fitted in perfectly. And, and yeah, your support has been second to none. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Really, really enjoyed the process. So tell us, Henry, what is it you're doing at the moment? Okay, so I run a network of businesses. Since I lost it all, um, my drive and determination has been really really like gone huge so I now run five different businesses and one of them's a tree surgery business the other one is a property investing business service accommodation business and I also mentor um, tree surgery businesses um, doing masterminds and course creation and other things like that so um, just to be clear I don't I'm not involved in it deeply in all of the businesses now. We've got them systemized and managers in. My main focus at the moment is um, is in the tree surgery, 
training business to, to be mentoring other tree surgeons. And I've seen a bit of a problem um, that I'm trying to solve, which is similar to mine before I lost my tree surgery business, that quite often tree surgery business owners go and start a tree surgery business uh, with very little business experience and then have these businesses that end up creating, pulling a lot of their time and energy um, so I'm just trying to help other tree surgery businesses not make the same mistakes as me. And you're talking about making mistakes and you also gave us a bit of a spoiler alert, essentially with the, with why you've created it earlier through your podcast, Fail Forward. This fear of failure that you're actually now advocating in the sense that it's okay to fail in life and that it's a, a, a whole way of operating Tell me what it now means for you to be failing forward. So it just means that I am continuously trying things and I'm not, I'm not fearful of trying things. And I'm, I'm going to, I mean, I accept now that I don't have to get everything right first time round, and that it gives me the opportunity to try things. But also on top of that, one thing I learned through failure is there's also something when I say to not give up, there is actually quite something quite profound and, and powerful about giving up, but trying something different. And it's, it's a bit of a caveat that I say that it's that never give up, but sometimes you might have to pivot or try change or do something different. And I think sometimes putting the white flag up and saying, yeah, this isn't working out. I'm going to change is, is, is hugely powerful. Um, the, the don't, the do not give up bit is do not give up on your goals and dreams. Do not give up on what you're aiming for the overall aim. You might just have to change currently what you're doing. So it gives me the power to be able to go out and try things and know that actually, if it doesn't work out, what did I learn from it? What can I do differently? Should I try that again? Or should I go and try and something doing something different? Um, so yeah, it just gives me the power to keep doing that. And was there an inspiration behind why you believe that failing is okay? Has there been some information that supported you or because it's not something that as a culture we accept, we're all about hide the failures and just promote the, the wins. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it comes from very early on when I, when I failed all my GCSEs and I was at school and they were telling me that these are the most important things in your life. And if basically, if you don't, if you, if you fail your GCSEs, then you're going to be nobody. And then of course you go and fail your GCSEs and then you kind of think, well, I'm going to be nobody. I'm just got to go and work, you know, going to go and work and see what happens. Um, so to answer your question, what really, in, I, I didn't really go down a rabbit hole with failure until I hit the biggest failure, which was losing the business, having to sell my family home. And I read a book called Black Box Thinking, and that book changed my life because it's a fantastic book about the aviation industry, also quite a few other things. It talks about the National Health Service. Uh, it talks about the justice system, lots of things, and about failure and how failure is a part of learning. And it completely changed it on the head because there is a negative stigma about failure, about you know being being losing or, or not not doing things. In society, everyone wants to win all the time. You know, we're all very competitive. Life is a competition, essentially. And it, as soon as you lose or fail, then there's quite a lot of negative stigma around that. And I then read this book, Black Box Thinking, as the business was going under, and it was an epiphany moment of, oh, okay, this really tragically bad thing that's happening. This is really positive. I can use this. This doesn't have to define the rest of my life. 
it can define the rest of my life in a different way, which is what I'm using it for now to try and help other people understand that when things go wrong, that it's not the end. It doesn't mean you have to stop doing something or you can just, you know, I think sometimes that bad things happen or and, and negative things happen. And then that just puts the blockades up for people to not go and try something else because then they think, well, that's the way life is. It's, it's, it, that's what the cards that, life's dealt me I've lost this lost this business or this failure's happened and now I've got to just stop and live back in a a normal kind of life so it's hugely powerful to understand failure and what it means and that it is learning and it is experience and that book is absolutely fantastic it really is it starts out with a story of the a woman who just goes in for a routine hospital operation and never comes home because it goes very wrong purely because the doctor loses all track of time when he's doing the anesthetic right at the beginning and it's hard hitting it's a really hard hitting book in terms of the um, different elements of examples and stories that they share from the aviation and the medical industry and also from technology and and industry that uses Dyson as a a particular example of how he goes through all his 5,000 plus evolutions of the the particular vacuum cleaner that he he builds eventually it is an incredible book and it's like almost like a manual isn't it it's just Mm. brilliant it's amazing. Uh, literally, one of my mentees um, he messaged me yesterday and said, wow, just read the first bit of that book. That's really difficult to read, um, but very powerful. And it is. Um, it's it's a book that it's groundbreaking to me. Um, it really is. And it, it completely changed my perception um, of, of how we think as human beings. It's um yeah, it, it, it I, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I read that book at that time and I got given it nine months before randomly and it sat on the side and something told me to read it as the business went under. And it was, it was the best thing I did because it really helped me understand that that bad situation was only, was only a good thing. And looking back at it now, that year was the best worst year of my life um, because it, it really helped mold my, my thought process moving forward. And it helped me find the strength to hold myself accountable for what happened as well. So I wasn't blaming others. I had to really, dig deep and look at myself because if I had blamed others then I would have been ignorant to the things that I'd have done wrong to get me into that position so yeah I I, I I'm a massive advocate for for um, that book so you had the one business at the time and now you've got five so this is this is where failing forward is now excelling in so many different ways because you you came out of that as you say it's your best worst year of your life and I can't imagine how painful it must have been at the time tell us about it at that time how I felt yeah um well I I gave up drinking uh, for about two months before and about two months after so I was uh wanted to be as clear focused as I possibly could whilst it was going under we we knew about six months before my wife was heavily pregnant and I got told by an insolvency practitioner the business needs to go under and my wife was due to give birth to my son Ned and I couldn't let it happen at that point so I actually got another loan out uh, with a personal guarantee to try and keep trade out and get the business going and we had a few good months and then a few bad months happened and eventually I had to put the white flag up so at that point of it going under I was very clear focused and then 
we went through insolvency and for anybody that doesn't understand what can happen in insolvency, you go through it, um, you have the, the insolvency practitioners come in, they get all your details, but then you can actually go and start a business again, um, or you can start a business, you know, someone else can start the business. Like my wife is now the director of the business. She runs all the businesses, legally runs the businesses, and you buy the old business off the new business. The, the, the new business, you buy the old business. It's called a pre-package. And so we started again, laying off quite a few of the guys. So that was pretty emotional, having to stand in front of my team, who it was one of my main things. One of my why whys is looking after people. I'm a people person, and I always, I probably held on to the staff longer than I should have done because I didn't want to let anyone down. And now I realise that was a bad mistake because sometimes sacrificing a few members of staff to keep save the whole business is, is actually stronger business decision and management decision than trying to keep everybody. But we had to lay all the guys off, which was very emotional, stood in the yard um, and having to stand in front of everybody and, and, and lay 20 plus people off. So I'd done all that and I, had, I, I was so focused on finding a route out to essentially know that we could try and have uh, salvage some sort of business so we could start again building from scratch so we went down to seven or eight staff Sarah very heavily involved with me this time around because I was I was the person leading it before but now Sarah needed to be involved and we then started going again and it was very strange because we started the business and we were trading and then I then had the lull and the lull was my mental health catching up on me. I started drinking again, drinking quite heavily. Um, and I just was a mess mentally. It was, it was like I'd been for uh, the business had been slowly failing for about two years, but in the six sort of the year before was when it was really badly failing. And through the time of fa failure, you're very much in a Liam. I interviewed him the other day in my podcast. He's been through the same thing. And he said it right. It's almost like you're living on the edge and you're at your most problem solving as an entrepreneur and business person when things are, are tough that's when you're almost at your most focused and actually you're just day-to-day -day firefighting but sometimes that can be quite a buzz from firefighting so you're firefighting and it was hugely stressful and we had things like we we were had an hour to get pay money for payroll and you know every month we wouldn't know how we we're going to pay the guys and we'd just scrape it every month and there was this huge year of highs and lows and just getting by and then suddenly we'd we the company goes under we start again things are starting to just get better and that's when I just had this emotional just blackout I couldn't cope um I was turning up to work but not really not really been with it uh very hazy drinking lots every single night overeating extremely extremely stressed anxious and it was just like my my mind had caught up with me after a, a couple of years of being in the trenches and it was it was tough it was really tough uh, and I think the fact that I had to hold myself accountable was really difficult because it was the business going under was a compound of lots of mini mistakes by me that would all compounded into this big big mistake but holding myself accountable and staring down the barrel and saying well, actually it's no one else's fault but mine it's quite difficult on your mental strength and for about three months from September to December I was just a mess 
and that Christmas wasn't a great Christmas. I wasn't a very good father at that time. I was, I think, yeah, it was, it was pretty, pretty dark. Um, but then I recovered. So it's all good. And you spoke earlier about how it was emotional. It was one of your many whys. Tell us about the focus on why element for me. So uh, I left school, failed all my GCSEs, went out and started working, did various different jobs, worked at Barclays Bank, car sales. And through the times I had recruitment, um, mainly sales, customer service related jobs. And I had some awful bosses. I mean, bullied by one boss in recruitment, another boss in car sales. He was a control freak. Um, uh, Another one of my tree surgery bosses was very aggressive. And I just was around these people and I I just kept thinking, this is not how we're people. This is not how you treat your staff. This is not how you treat your team. You know, we're all part of this team. And I just remember getting treated like absolute rubbish. So when I started the business, I was always like, if I'm going to be a boss, I'm going to do it the right way. I'm going to look after my team. My team are the centre of the business. I'm not just going to do the old school thing that I used to hear all the time. I'm not going to thank my staff. They get paid. Their pay packet is the thanks for them turning up. But to me, the pay packet is the minimum. That's what you're, that's your right. That's what you're, that's what you're, you know, you're, you're getting paid is, is your, is your turning up. But what the way people should be cared for is by the gratitude, by understanding their mental health, understanding what's going on with people. If someone's turning up late to work or if someone's not performing at work, the first thing shouldn't be a shout or a scream or, you know, uh, 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 someone having a go at you. It should, the first question is like, are you okay? What's going on? And there was just this such old school way of just aggression in, 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 in especially the industries I was working in. So when I started the business, I was always like, the team are going to be the centre point of the business. We're going to look after the team. We're going to have nights out. We're going to have food. We're going to have a beer on a Friday. So buy a crate of beer every Friday. Once we cleared up the yard, we'd sit and we'll have a beer. And we, we created this great atmosphere. And actually, I think it was one of the reasons why we scaled from 0 to 47 quite quickly, because what I didn't realise is, and it was not done for this reason at all, but when you look after your team, you get so much more back from people. The commitment, even we didn't ever do any customer service training, but if you were to look at our reviews from our clients, they'd almost like someone would copy and paste them. They were kind, caring, attentive. And in a tree surgery world where you've got a few different characters in to be getting that kind of feedback, and it really gave us a, a market presence of this is a good company and the people, the, the team really enjoy their work. So this whole why was to look after people and actually it did a lot more for the business than just look after people. It created this really good, good place to work. So I used to get told by other other bosses that you, I couldn't treat my staff that well. And when the business went under, a lot of people were saying, you know, told you, told you, you know, you, you're treating, you're too soft because people get confused between being, being, you know, caring about people and that you're too soft. And we couldn't make some, 
the big decisions. And and yes, in, in a essence, when I was needing to lay people off, probably couldn't make those big decisions. But then I then I learned that sometimes you've got to make those big decisions, but you can still care about people. You can still do things the right way. You can still be morally sound as a business and you can still look out for people. So it's not a, an either or anymore. And in, in the business that you've created or in the businesses that you've created now, the model is still that you are very much people-centered first. Yes. Yet it, it has to be a profit-making business. Yeah. Uh, and the, the model I work on is what I call the four pillars of a business. And they're numbers, sales and marketing, systemization and culture. Obviously, there's lots of other things like operations and how a business is, is run and goals, etc. But for me, they're the four foundational pillars and culture is in there because it's the culture for me is all about the vision, the values and the team and, and looking after the team. And a lot of people have questioned that to me. Why is that a pillar? And that's because the team, because all businesses rely on people and you need to have a strong team. And to do that, you need to look after your team. So going back to the black box thinking, your four pillars essentially is using the knowledge and the, and the learnings of your own life, but also the, the illustrations that Matthew Syed highlights in the book. What are the elements for you going forward? What is the, the vision that you want to create? So my vision is I'm creating a network of businesses that can create me uh, financial freedom to create me stability so I never have to go back and put my family through having to sell our family home. I'm a believer that in the saying that you, you've got to love yourself before you can love others, like I want to help the world. I want to help homeless people. I want to help people that have been in dark times. But the point of creating my structure, my business is I need to get my my home in check to ensure that my family will always be looked after and then I can have the freedom to be able to go and help people and also the money to be able to go and help people I, I, I like shiny things I like to have nice cars I love cars and um, my dream board pre-business going under you know Porsche Carrera 911 R8 Ferrari you know nice speedboat things like that but I had quite a big ego back then. And, and I realize now that actually, if I went and bought an Audi R8 tomorrow, I'll drive it for a month and then I'd want something faster. So then I'd want a Porsche Carrera, then I'd want a Ferrari, and then I'd want a Bugatti Veyron. And yes, they're all great things, but you all, you're as human beings, we always want the next shiny thing, the next fast thing. You know, we want more and more and more. And actually, yes, that'd be fun whilst you're driving it. But when you go to sleep at night, that's not going to keep you warm and fit, make you feel nice. Actually helping people, serving people, doing the right thing. That's the kind of thing that makes you feel good and is the right thing to do. So I want to have some nice, shiny things. Yes, but I want to create a network of businesses. I want to create wealth so I can actually go and help people. Because when I was in my dark places, I went to see counsellors. I went to groups and there were lots of people there that were just like me they had families at one point or they still had families they had um they had jobs businesses and they'd taken a few wrong turns and things had gone wrong and they'd end up with addictions or they'd end up end up on the streets and as soon as you're on the streets that's when society really says you know you're not part of society anymore and 
that's what I want to be able to do is help people that are in real, real dark times, people that need an extra pull that might not have the support. I was very fortunate. I had a wife that was patient. Some people might call her stubborn or patient. I call her patient um, that stuck by me. I've got parents who are still with me, fortunately, and stuck by me. I have a sister who stuck by me and some really, really decent friends who were there for me when the crap was hitting the fan. But there are people out there that, 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 that don't have that support. And that's what I want to be able to do is create a network of businesses that keep get me from up financially free so that I, I can then go and support and help people. There's a really great um, charity in Southampton called Street Angels run by a lady called Sarah and she is fantastic and they go out and they support the homeless people and they give them food and water and they give them sleeping bags and they just go out and talk to them on their level and just try and help and I want to be able to be involved in that, that sort of charity and other charities in the future and I'm not sure in what context yet whether it's providing housing I've got a dream of starting a halfway house that also helps people then get into business because I also believe that quite a few few people who have addictions have a um, very similar personality to an entrepreneur they've always got that worrying wanting to needing to do something and that's what quite often leads people to addiction Uh, I'm not I'm not a psychologist so I don't know what the the exact psychologist would say on that but I see different traits in in people with addiction to to entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs are always pushing always going and it's very similar to some of addicts so I'd love to be able to create some sort of halfway house that helps people get off the streets but also would hopefully not just get them off the streets but it would take them on to the next stage which would hope hopefully they won't relapse with which they'd go out and be able to get a career or business along the way so that's the master plan over the next few years and going back to this young 16-year-old version of Henry who failed all his GCSEs, what would you say to him now? Well, well, do you know what? This is a good question to think about for me because I sort of manifested myself away back into my old school, which I'm going to be doing in a month to go and talk to people just like me, 16-year-olds who are coming out of school who might not be doing so well in their exams. So I would say to me to just go out and try and experience as much as you can try and learn and don't don't be worried to go into any job and be worried about the outcome of it just go and try and learn and ask as many questions as you can just try and just soak up knowledge and the main thing I suppose because I after failing my GCSEs I didn't pick a book up to about six months before the business went under and I told myself I didn't do learning and actually, what I realise now is, is I wasn't at school, I wasn't learning about stuff that I was really interested in. And I would just say, keep trying to learn, try, keep trying things and trying to read different books. And when, once you find something that you really enjoy, read that and then read some more and then keep going down a rabbit hole of self-development. And what will a 16-year-old benefit from reading, do you think? I think just... The continuous self-development, even for mental health for me, if I'm ever feeling anxious or feeling feeling down, if I go and sit and read a book for 20 minutes and takes me away from my phone screen, which is just an absolute time drawer and also an anxiety overload sometimes for people, especially social media, when people are very much living their best lives through social media, I believe that reading a book in taking that time out will do massive for mental health, but 
this feeling of moving forward of developing is so powerful yeah i mean it's, it's interesting isn't it that the the room of people that you're going to be speaking to did you say you're going to be speaking to them before they they do their exams so it's june the 9th yeah so I don't know when when will they be doing their exams. Well, it depends. Is it is it the the cohorts who are doing their exams that year? Or I'm they... not sure. I'm, yeah. I, I got approached a week ago. I bumped randomly, but bumped into a guy at the golf course, and he and started talking to him, and he listened to the podcast, and then he said, "Oh, actually, I'm going to be working with Applemore College." And I went, "I went there," <laughs> and he said, "Well, you'll be working. We've got we're talking to some teenagers, so I think 15, 16 year olds. So yeah. they might be year tens. I'm not sure. Yeah, yet, like so. likely to be that then, because I think the other ones will be in the midst of their exams. So. So knowing that you obviously don't want to discourage them from really working towards their exams, but also giving them that comfort blanket that it's going to be okay if it doesn't go as well as they, they think it's going to be. And it's not the be all and end all. It's the next stepping stone to the next chapter of their life. And again, having lived that, do you still, can you still connect with the 16 year old self? Can you still be that, Henry? Because it's so hard, isn't it? Sometimes you've got so many different experiences in between. Yeah, and I think that my wife, Sarah, actually asked me this the other day, at 16, would you have listened to you now? And I was like, that's a very good point. Probably not. <laughs> um, because I think when you're that age, you kind of think you know a lot already. And, and really, you don't know. Like looking back, the Henry back then, I didn't know anything, <laughs> really. Um, so it's going to be a challenge to get that across without sounding, you know, I don't think the teachers are going to want me to go in there and just say, don't worry about your GCSEs. That's going to be the challenge. I'm just going to have to go and try and be as me as I can and share my experiences and where I think I went wrong. And the fact that if I had just learned a bit little bit more on the things that like I would love to learn maths again like that's one thing I'd love to learn again uh, I definitely wasn't in whatever want to learn triple science again um, I'd love to learn maths and I'd love to learn French um, I'd love to know, have a language so I could I suppose I just got to share my experiences and some of the some of them might might connect and some of them might not so yeah it, it, I totally get where you're coming from and it is hard to to connect with that age who they've they don't they don't know what's coming they don't know how to run a business it's hard to connect with someone who's just said oh you know I've just I've just failed my business you know this is my advice it's like well I don't even know what it's like to run one yet so I, it's it's a tough one and I, I've, I've had a couple of people recently who bridged that gap between school and employment and and also the the purpose piece like how does that fit in because it's a different type of language to the 16 year olds to where you are now what purpose means to you having a family having a business creating a legacy and I guess it comes down to the difference between knowledge and support yeah. you know you're there to promote that there will always be pe people who can support you doesn't matter where you are on your journey that it's okay there will be someone there for you yeah, definitely. I think that's huge is knowing that there's going to always that support. Whatever you go through, there's always that support. And just as you're talking, then I just my mind actually opened up and I thought what would actually be a really good question is to ask them what they want to do. And then I can give guidance around that, because actually, I think that age group now are going to be the, the, the leaders for this green world, this green planet that we need to create. 
You know, I think the the older generations don't see this carbon carbon neutral world, and they're not they're they're too set in their ways. But actually, I think there's going to be some huge innovation from the teenagers now coming out and really caring. And it was going to be really interesting to hear if I ask people what they want to do, being able to understand and then advise people how they can do that. Because actually, I started business when I was 24. I've met people now in the property industry who are getting into the property industry 18, 19 years old with their heads really screwed on. And they're not going to university, they're going straight into property investing. But it's, I, I suppose that the key is going to be rather than me going in there and blurting out my what I've done, which might be of no interest of anybody, is to ask them what they want to do. And then I can give my experiences from there. I think you're right. And and the the need for sustainability and for empowerment of the future generations is huge the fact that you are working in an industry which is in about nature it's about sustainability you you're not just taking trees down you're a tree surgeon you know you're helping trees to to thrive so you you are in that essence somebody who is shaping the landscape and so, yeah, I think you've got a great message. It's just exactly how does it sit? Mm, it's going to be interesting. I'm doing it twice, so I get two attempts. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, asking them what they need first is is always a great way of, of launching into a conversation. Yeah. So, Henry, tell me, you've gone through this journey. You are advocating that it's only a negative to fail if you don't learn from it. And that has been a really clear message that I've got from today. You are focused on finding the way forward for many others in your charitable focus with the street angels. What else is there? What else is there? What other focus on why do you have going on? I suppose it's just helping people in general. I love people and I love helping people. And that's why I think I I started the Tree Surgery Mastermind, the Tree Surgery Academy, Tree Surgery Business Academy is I just love people and love helping people and I get a real kick out of that and I suppose that's always been my why and why I wanted to look after my teams because I'm I love being around people and love, I love talking I could talk for England but there's also a bit of that which I've had to learn to be able to listen at the same time as well and listen to other people so it's part of the growth of not me just talking at people so yeah, I suppose my why is to to be able to help and serve where I can, add value, give value. A lot of people ask me why I started Fell Forward. There is no sales funnel from it at the moment. There's nothing that is coming off the back of it. I'm not trying to sell anything from it. It's just something that's happened in my life that I've seen. And people told me it was really inspiring and I need to get it out there, quite a few people. So it's just trying to use all of the content, everything in my head, to be able to try and help people. So yeah, my why is to just try and share my experience, share my, uh, I think I've got a bit of a, I don't know whether gift's the right word, that sounds really big headed, but I am really comfortable with vulnerability. I'm really comfortable with telling people my life story and all of the difficult bits, not just all the nice bits. And I think that in, the world right now we have a massive problem with suicide and mental health and for years especially in the UK we've had this stiff upper lip um, where we we can't talk about our feelings 
and I'm very open at talking about my feelings when things are good and when things are bad. And I feel like if I'm in a room full of people, I can lower the vulnerability level so low that other people feel okay to come out and say when they're not okay or be able to talk about their problems. And I really hope that as, as if I can do it and I can share that with other people, then that can promote vulnerability because I, I believe that if we can talk about our problems, it will make life and mental health so easy. It's not going to solve everything. Talking about your problems won't instantly solve that problem. But quite often, once it's out of your head and it's not bouncing around and you talk about it, it makes it a lot less lighter. If that makes sense, yeah. Well, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being that person who is making the stand and making the difference in sharing your vulnerability and, and advocating that other people step into that space too. So yeah, bravo. Thank you. I mean, I just, I, I, I hear pe people committing suicide all the time and uh, saying, oh, I, you know, I didn't even know. And that guy, they were so, they were so happy at the, in the pub and, you know, that they, they, I wouldn't have known anything. And I think, well, has he been, has that person been in a situation where he's felt comfortable to be able to talk about his problems or is he just going down the pub getting lashed to forget about his problems? And I'm not blaming anybody else for, for that situation, but I think the more we can talk about things, a vet, my, a lady who's worked for me, my marketing manager used to say, I think the reason why you can deal with this business going on so much is because you just talk about it a lot. Um, so I, I, I hope that over the years as a nation and as a as a world, we can advocate more people talking about and, and letting out and, and not ridiculing people when they do come out and say things aren't right. So Henry, what's the best way of people reaching out to you? So um, Facebook is my main place that I, I hang out on social media, I suppose. I'm, I am on other social media platforms, but Facebook is the place that I generally pick things up. So if people want to find me on Facebook or even better, listen to the Fell Forward podcast uh, and then they can um, they can contact me through the Fell Forward Facebook group. Brilliant. Excellent. Well, Henry. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your journey and sharing why you're doing what you're doing. It really has been inspirational. And I just feel for those 16 year olds who are going to about to hear your story, that they are going to be lucky in so many ways because they are going to have the opportunity to see someone who and, and hear from someone who has failed and that it's not been the end of, of their world for them. Amazing. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me on, Amy. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Do you have some final words for us, Henry? Yes, uh, fail forward. Do not be scared of failure. Do not fear failure. Embrace it. Failure is only a negative if you do not learn from it. How has this conversation had an impact on you? What value have you received from tuning in? What are your reflections with actions? Please take a moment to leave me an Apple podcast or Spotify review sharing how Focus on Why has made a difference to you today. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, simply connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.